0: Last week, we kicked off a a series called Tunnel Vision, all right? Now, just to give you a brief kind of catch-up, like if you missed last week, it is all the things, Tunnel Vision is best described as this, we center our attention and our affection on one thing, forgetting all the others. And many times, you know this, you get Tunnel Vision about a lot of different things. Sometimes it's a bad habit. Sometimes it's a, uh, a guy or a girl. You get tunnel vision. You're like, oh! Um, you know what I mean? You get tunnel vision. You, and all the things in uh, everything else becomes blurry. And many times as believers in Christ, uh, we get tunnel vision on all the unhealthy things. And even for those that do not know Christ, you have tunnel vision too. And it's this thing called sin. And... We get tunnel vision and all of our sin and not realizing that there's a Savior who is there for us. And so we're going to talk to two different people in the room tonight. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk to those who are believers in Christ. And then we're also going to talk to those that maybe do not know Christ. Because I believe that in a group this size, there's probably someone in the room that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God would get a hold of your heart and your life and that. Maybe tonight would be the night that you would surrender your heart and your life to Christ. And so um, we've done our best to get you ready. We've done our best to worship him. We've done our best to center our hearts in prayer. And now we get to open up God's word and see what he has to say for us. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some topics that are really, really strong. And you're like, Steve, you're going to talk about lust of the flesh on week one of Tunnel Vision. Yes. Um, and so, if you did not know that we talked about some hot button issues, guess what? You're in for a treat tonight. Because tonight is all about lust of the flesh. Next week's about anxiety. The week after that, um, it'll be guy girl night. And so, you could probably understand where that conversation's going. Um, and then, uh, depression. Um, and then, we're also going to be talking about perfectionism. There's a lot that's coming in the next couple of weeks at Exodus 15. And you know what? God has something to say about every one of these issues. Now, many times we don't believe it, and that's probably because we're not really reading God's word. We're just assuming something about God's word. And so tonight we're going to jump in. We're going to see what God has to say about lust of the flesh. Now, I want to define what lust is for all of us, okay? Lust is that exaggerated view on something or someone. Lust is that spot, that place where we get tunnel vision, right? It is something that becomes excessive. Now, many times, lust is... Uh, we're going to have a grown-up conversation, right? Right? Okay. Lust, many times, when you hear that word, you immediately equate it to sex. You immediately equate it to lustfully, sexually thinking about something or, or someone. Something, that's why. Um, but lust is a lot more than just that. Yes, that is a definition of lust. But many times we lust over other things as well. We exaggerate the viewpoint or we make it all about satisfying my needs and my wants. I want to lust after those things so that it makes me feel good. It makes, me, um, uh, makes my heart tingle, right? Because we all want the feels, we all want the feels in our life, and if we don't get the feels, and something's wrong. And so many times we will lust after things for the pursuit of wanting to feel satisfied and our cravings to make us feel good. And so I was thinking about this, and as I was thinking about this lust of the flesh, and the Bible has something, a lot to say about it, and we're gonna get to that, but I wanna share with you how the evil one is so subtle. And using this lust against us. It is so subtle. I'm going to highlight just a couple of things. I'm going to share with you a couple of things. Culture in this world, and even the evil one, is trying to popularize and normalize and justify lust. Just think about your culture. Just think about the things that you see. The things that you encounter. On a day-to-day basis. And have you ever thought about where lust plays a factor and where lust plays a role in that? Have you ever thought about that? Let me highlight a couple of things. Let's talk about television. Just, just the television shows you watch. Okay? More than, this is it, I came across this really cool stat, more than 75%, 75% of primetime programs contain sexual content yet only 14% of sexual incidents mentioned any risk of responsibility or se- of sexual activity okay basically what the television is telling you is that it's okay sexual activity outside of marriage is okay that you can lust all you want for sure do whatever you want Television is communicating to you that it's okay. And it's subtle, for sure, it's subtle. Just think about some of your popular TV shows that you watch. And yes, the things that you watch on Netflix or television shows. Think about those TV programs. How many times do you encounter sexual content in those TV shows? Just think about it. And think about how subtle it is and how jaded and how blinded you've become to realizing that that is probably wrong. What about this? Music. Oh, Steve, you're going to go there. I'm telling you, we're having a grown-up conversation, all right? Here we go. Music in this one study. 40% of lyric lines contained sexual material and only 6% contained healthy sexual messages. 40%! 40% of the songs. Oh, I was doing a little market research the other day just like on, I think this was Tuesday morning, I was like, I wonder what the number one song on Apple Music is right now. I'm not gonna play it for you. Some of you are like, oh, but it's by this guy named Drake. So apparently he dropped a new album and on Apple Music, the first, I think 13 songs were all Drake songs, right? And it had a little E by all of it, right? Explicit, 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 explicit. I'm probably sure, I mean, he is a great guy, right? right? He makes great music. Yeah, with a filthy mouth. All right. Um, anyway, I'm just saying, think about, I'm a good fan of country music. I like country music. But I even then, I, I won't quote you some of the songs, but there's some of them, a lot of them, They have strong sexual content in there, right? Even drinking, very popular in country music. Give me a beer and a woman and I'm all good, right? That's what country music is all about. Uh, And so many times, just think about the lyrics in some of the songs that you have memorized. We can go down, how much sexual content, how much lusting of the flesh is in that? Think about that. Think about this. What about the social media platform that you use? Um, here we go. Uh, how, how much sexual content, how much lusting of the flesh do we see in the social media? And it's not just, I mean, you're like, but Steve, my profile's clean, right? But what about the profiles that you are consuming? What about the profiles that you're watching? What about all the ads that pop up on Snapchat? How do you rationalize that? How do you rationalize that? How do you, how do you rationalize all the sharing of pictures on the social media platforms that are inappropriate? How do, how do you rationalize that? How is that lust of the flesh? I'm not pointing finger, I'm just pointing out how subtle the evil one is. How subtle the evil one is. Think about this. What about the popular games we play? Halo, Apex Legends, Madden, NBA 2K. Did I mention a couple others? Fortnite is another one. Let me ask you this. Can gaming be a lust of the flesh activity? I just want you to think about it. Just consider that. Did you know? Last week, China, I don't know if you heard about this, China just put time limits on young gamers 18 and under. Anyone under the age of 18 cannot play during the week. And only three hours they can play on the weekend. God, that's real, that's real news. That's like legit. Why would China do that? Don't half of our games come from China? I'm just saying. China's on to something. They're saying something, aren't they? What are they saying? Not necessarily play games, but think about how much you play games. I don't think the games inherently are bad. I think how much time. And if you lust after it, that's when it's unhealthy. I think that about a lot of this stuff. What about you want to keep going? What about the fit? What about the lust of having the right fit? What about your closet? How much time and effort and focus you give on your closet to make sure that you look the way you look all the time? Is it all about a brand? Do you got to have the right kicks on? Do you have to have the Nikes? Do you have to have the right Adidas? Do you have to have the right Under Armour gear? What about it's the Lululemon shorts? You know, because those are really good. You got to have some of those. What about the right leggings with the really cool pocket in the side for your cell phone? You know, you got to have those kind of things. Because you got to flash the phone when you go down the hall at school. Like, look at my phone and my leggings. You know, um, I kid. But just think about it. Is that... Lust of the flesh. I'm just letting your own conscience be your own guide here. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would speak into us. Like, really? Some of us have tunnel vision on these things. I'm going to talk about drugs and alcohol for a little bit. Here's the stat I came across. 21% of high school seniors have reported using marijuana in the past month. In the past month. Y'all, as much as you would want to justify it, as much as you would want to say that I don't have a problem, some of you may have, if that stat is correct, that that means out of this size group, basically half of this, these two, you guys would be all drug users based on that statistic, 21%. That's what, probably 15, 20 in this group? That would, that honestly, actually would be closer to 30. 30 students in this room are addicted to drugs and alcohol. 30. Maybe that's you. Is that addiction lust of the flesh? Probably so. What about pornography? You know, pornography affects us Everywhere. It is more apparent and more prevalent in our culture and in your generation than any other generation. Why? It's because it's this little thing called a cell phone where you can get as much as you want, whenever you want, however you want it. There are no filters, or you know, you found ways around those filters. Here's a stat I came across where pornography, it doesn't affect just guys anymore, it's girls too. 64% of Christian men, Christian men, and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. Y'all, that's an epidemic. Pornography, it has huge consequences in our hearts and life. Huge. I just wrote down a couple of them. Has huge consequences, all of which are very negative. It's widely, so widely accepted in our culture. Porn's all good. Watch it whenever you want. It's more accessible than ever before. It normalizes inappropriate dress. It puts negative pressure on our relationships, and it perverts our thoughts. So many times, the effect of pornography has on our culture and on our lives. And even if, oh gosh, I'm going to get here. Even if you don't look at it, probably your best friend next to you is. And the consequences, oh, I'm going to go here. The consequences even of your friend who is looking at pornography and can't break that habit, the effects that it has on your friendship and on your relationship, oh yeah, there are consequences there. Even in your dating relationships, how does pornography influence your dating relationships? Because pornography tells you that the physical is okay. And what does that do to your dating relationships? Y'all, lust of the flesh is a big deal. Lust of the flesh is a big deal. And so many times our culture and the evil one is so subtle. He's so, I hate him. So he wants to steal, kill, and destroy y'all. And he's going to do it by perverting these things around you. And he's going to convince you that it's okay, then it's normal. Oh, it's okay. Wear whatever you want to wear. It's okay. You just do what you want to do. Please yourself all you want. Drugs? Sure, go ahead. Alcohol? Sure, go ahead. Sexual activity? Sure, go ahead. Whatever you want to do. Lust all you want and he's going to use culture and he's going to use our media and he's going to use all those different devices around you to, try to get you to deny Christ and deny the abundant life that God has for you. Y'all, I'm going to tell you this. We've fallen into the trap of believing that these addictions are the cure for our need for purpose and meaning in our life. Many of us have fallen into the trap. And it's a, I hate the evil one. It's a trap that many of us are falling into. And I'm praying tonight that your eyes would be awoken. Your heart would be so aware. Not of how bad you are. But about how much Satan sucks. And that you would get so mad at the evil one that you would do whatever it takes to kick him to the curb so that he has no longer any effect or any control over your heart and over your life. At what point are you going to get so mad at the liar in your life? Do you remember the, conversation, the question I asked you last week? Do you remember this? How do you feel when someone lies to you? How do you feel? How do you feel? Mad, don't you? You kind of want to kick him to the curb, whoever it is, like to push him away. Y'all, you have been lied to. and His name is Satan. And he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, Jesus knew that. He knew it. And he did something about it. He knew the current state of your heart. He knew the current state of your life. And he knows how dirty the sin is that has entrapped you. You've been so entangled by that sin. And here I want, I, want to, I want to be the very first as we go into the good news. I gave you the bad news. We're going to go into the good news and we're going to spend some time there. But y'all, there's good news in this. And here's the thing I want you to understand. You are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. And I want you to know that. I want you to believe that about yourself and what God thinks of you. You are a child of his. You are precious. You are cherished by God. So much so that he understands the current state of your sin. He knows where you are right now. He has felt it. He has dealt with it. And he wants to do something about it. And he did by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to down a cross for you. He paid the penalty for that sin of lust that you have in your heart and your life. And you're probably sitting there thinking, Steve, I am so far gone. How in the world can I, I'm all about the lust in my life. I'm all about the lust of the flesh. Steve, that's all I know right now. Guess what? God's grace goes so much deeper than the sin that you've created. And right now, I want to come out the gate and tell you, kick Satan to the curb. Time to go to war. And yes, there has to be some changes in your heart and your life because if lust of the flesh is what you have tunnel vision on, you're missing out on the abundant life that God has for you. Are you ready for the good news? Here's the good news. You don't have to stay the way that you are. You have a choice in the matter. And there's someone that's for you. There's someone that's on your side. I'm one of them. I'm for you, but more importantly, there's a savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is here in this room, and he's sitting right next to you, and he is begging that you would surrender that lust of the flesh, that you would surrender that to him, because I know it. I know it about him, and I know it about his character and his nature. I was reading my quiet time this past week, Mark chapter 2, where Jesus comes along all these disciples are out fishing, and he says, leave your nets and come and follow me. You know what that meant? The things that of old, what they have always known, the tunnel vision that they've had on fishing. And Je- Jesus simply said, leave that alone and come and follow me. That is what God is doing in this moment right here and right now. He's saying, leave the net of lust alone and come and follow me. It is the most purest and simplest invitation that any one of us can have. And, y'all, that's it tonight. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. What does the Bible have to say about lust? It says a couple of things. One, 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Now, here's a really cool, if you want to do some digging on 1 John 2 right here, It is a reference to the garden. It is a reference to Genesis 3, where Eve sees the tree, notices the fruit, takes and eats. All three of those are mentioned in Genesis 3. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You ready for this? The same trap that was used then is used on you now. The evil one. The same trap that Eve fell into in Genesis 3 is the same trap that many of us are falling into right now. When the woman saw the tree and it was good for food, lust of the flesh, and took that it, that it was pleasant into her eyes, lust of the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life, she took and ate the fruit. Did you see that? Fast forward to John, At the end of his life, he's writing First John, and these are the three things that he mentions will be our downfall. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2.2. I love that one. 2.2.2. 2, 2. Uh, run from anything, anything that stimulates youthful lust. What are we supposed to do? Run. Flee. Romans 6.12 says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Man, that's wise wise words from the Apostle Paul. Lust of the flesh is not healthy for the believer. It's not. And God calls us out of that. And he's calling you out of that right now. All right? You ready? Here we go. It doesn't have to be this way. Okay, here are the tragic consequences of tunnel vision. I'm going to go through these pretty quick because I need to get to the good part. All right? Here's the tragic consequences. You got it there in your talk sheet. You ready? You want to track with me? Here's the first consequence. Tragic consequences of lust of the flesh. One is selfishness and pride. When you choose to indulge in lust of the flesh, selfishness and pride, is going to, you're going to make it all about you. You're going to make it all about you. Like, you will. What can I do to get that so that it makes me feel good? Pride. I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have. Maybe you're talking to a friend and they're going, Gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. Right? Many of that selfishness and pride. Tragic consequences, lust of the flesh. Here's the second tragic consequence. Gotta put my glasses on. Abusive behavior. Abusive behavior. It's this exaggerated feelings towards ex- those experiences. And you got to have it so much that you will do whatever it takes to get that next high, to get that next feeling, all the feels. You'll spend that money. You'll do that time or you'll go those places. Hey, y'all in the back row, y'all going to listen up? Y'all in? Y'all in? Okay. Sorry. Um, was just a little distracted. H- here it is. That That is... That abusive behavior, and many times, it looks like sexual abuse. It looks like physical abuse. It looks like all of these things. Lust of the flesh is the cause of a lot of these different things. Here's the other one. The last one is inclusive behavior. Inclusive behavior. In other words, you go to your little cocoon and you stay there. You don't want to get out. Whatever that lust of the flesh is, whatever that sin is, you go in, in like you go quiet You lock yourself in the room or not go anywhere or do anything because you're entertaining, like you're doing whatever that sin is. And you become very inclusive. You go silent. You go dark. Many times that leads to depression, anxiety, all those kind of things, fear, inclusive behavior. Those are some tragic consequences of tunnel vision on lust of the flesh. But you know what? Here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So what does that mean to come out into the light? What does that mean? It's not easy, nor will it happen overnight. But imagine the hope and the peace of your heart and life when you come clean before God, ultimately. You come clean before the people around you, and you begin to have peace in your relationships with each other. Imagine what that would be like. Jana read it earlier, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in your offenses and sins. And you were previously walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's me. That's you. We. Among them, there were we were two previously lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the rich of mercy because of his great love in which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together in Christ. Y'all hear that? He knows the current state of lust of the flesh that you have. He knows it, knows it full well. And what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 10 or 2 is saying, hey, God knows it, but you got to know his grace. You got to know the grace of God and how amazing it is that he will cover that sin, he will take that sin away. If only you would repent, if only you would confess. If only you would surrender to the grace, the loving grace that God has for you that says even while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He is not looking at you telling you to get away. He's looking at you with open arms and saying, would you confess it? I got it. Bring it on. I got it. Whatever that sin is, no matter how deep it is, no matter where you are, no matter where you're going on, what, you, what closet you're hiding in, whatever room, dark room you're in, I'm there with you and all you need to do is surrender that to me. Yep. That is the Jesus of the Bible. And if you believe or have fallen into the trap of believing that Jesus is kicking you to the curb, you're mistaken. You're not reading the Jesus of the Bible. You're cultivating your own Jesus. He died for your sin. He paid the penalty. Grace. He loved you that much. Grace. That is what he has for you in the middle of your tunnel vision of lust of the flesh. So what are some ways against the lust of the flesh? What are some things? I'm going to give you some practical things. If you're falling yourself into that trap. Oh gosh, I got to be done right now. Um, here we go. One, I'm going to go through these pretty quick. Hold on tight. And if you want to have a follow-up conversation with any of this, Shelly and I are available. We would love to have that conversation with you. Here we go. One, remind yourself every day the lies being told to you. Remind yourself every day the lies that have been told to you. If you're struggling with lust of the flesh and you're finding your place right here, right now, saying no more, Jesus, I'm surrendering this to you. If you're in that place right here, right now, then you need to start identifying the lies that you've been listening to and to start doing something about it. Either turn it off, take the phone and throw it. You're like, wait a minute, my mom and dad will be mad. Well, give it to your mom and dad. Say, I don't need it anymore. Oh, that was big for somebody right there. Remind yourself every day of the lies that are being told to you. Filter your world. Filter your world in God's word. We'll get to there in just a minute. Number two, seek help. When battling lust of the flesh, it's a big deal. And yes, many of you can turn and do it on your own, but it, it, wouldn't it be so much wiser to have someone that would come alongside you and just say, hey, can, I need some help. And honestly, your parents is probably the first place you need to start because they know you. They know you more than anybody else. They were there when you were born. It's probably a good thing. They're gonna be there when you die, right? They're probably... Very important figures in your life. And you might want to start there. And if Shelly and I can be of any encouragement to you, we would love to do that. But there's also Christian counselors. If you're finding yourself in the pits of despair and depression and you're finding yourself so far gone, maybe pornography has got you so wrapped up and you don't know how to get out of it, there is professional help. The biblical counseling is free to members of Bellevue. Hello. Hello. Go down there, just walk up to the, the office one day and say, hey, I need a counselor. Or come see me and I'll refer you to a counselor. But seek help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's nothing wrong with it. And quit listening to that lie that says that you don't need it. I wonder who's telling you that. Let's all say his name, Satan. All right, all right. Number three, here we go, Practical. Try changing your routines. Try changing your routines. The old habits are hard to change. Don't pick up your phone every time you find yourself alone. Change that habit. Charge your phone in the living room overnight. Give your parents access to all the media devices that you have. Give yourself a goal of setting limits on the media you consume. Because we all identified that's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways that Satan gets in it, right? Is the media. Hey, I'm not saying that all media is bad. Please hear me on that. We just need to learn how to filter it. We need to take responsibility for what we see and how we interact with it. It's our fault. (laughs) It's our fault. Having a phone is not a bad thing, but what you do with it is. And so how are you, what are you doing to best guard yourself? Maybe you need to change some routines. Maybe the places that you find yourself lusting... Lusting of the flesh in different moments and different opportunities. Maybe you need to put boundaries on that. Change the routine. Change something about it. Maybe make small changes and then work it all out of your life. But do something about it. Don't just think about it, right? I probably need to change. That would be a good thing. And then you go home. Nothing changed. (laughs) You walk away from here going, wow, that was a good thought, right? Right? How in the world are you going to grow in godliness? And how in the world are you going to allow God to do something about the sin that's in your life if you're not willing to change? We all can do our part here. Number what? Four, we need to change our minds about biblical intake or Bible intake. This book is a good thing, y'all. Yeah? I think we all know it. I think every one of us. If I walked up to any one of you and said, hey, what do you think about the Bible? Every one of you would go, oh, man, it's good. It's good. Amazing. It is amazing. You're right. Like It is amazing. This is an amazing book. And it's got so much goodness in it. But if it's like this all the time, it ain't affecting us. And some of us need to change our mind about this. Some of you need to start looking at this thing as a a good thing in your life. Because trust me, the more that you're in it, the more the lust of the flesh starts to disappear. I don't know how it happens. It It just does. It just does. But the minute you start ignoring this, oh, the lust of the flesh will creep up. Get a couple of head bobs about that one. When you start ignoring this, that lust of the flesh will start bubbling up. And when you're in this, it starts coming down. There's just something powerful about being in God's word. And if you don't know what to read or how to read it, there are plenty of resources at the spot. You need to go right after this and go get some. There's Bible studies, there's quiet times, there's uh, Bible study reading plans. All those things are back there at the spot. And those are free to you. Why? Because we love you and we believe this is a good thing. Y'all, we need to get in it. This is the game changer for sure. And last one, make a commitment to stay in the fight. Make a commitment right here, right now to stay in the fight. It will be hard. This is not easy. Overcoming lust of the flesh is not easy. Why? Because Satan's a fighter too. He is going to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his nature. That's his nature. And we need to fight for it. Y'all, we need to fight for it. You're going to take a couple steps forward, maybe a step back, a couple steps forward, a couple steps back. But hey, We're making progress, right? Isn't that a good thing? Instead of lamenting and giving up and saying, oh, that's just the way it is. Yep. I'm just a sinner. Yep. Man, take a step forward, y'all. Just take a step forward. I'm not the best, but I'm going to take a step forward. Oh, I got, I got tempted. I'm going to take a step forward. Whatever it takes, y'all, to stay in the fight, do it. It is so much worth it. Because the theme verse of Tunnel Vision is this, John 10.10. 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does Jesus say? I have come to what? You have life. You have life and have it abundantly. Y'all, that's a good thing. Let's all say this together. This has kind of been our mantra. I mentioned it last week. I want you to repeat after me. It says, I will not allow the evil one to steal my joy. I will not have tunnel vision on any unhealthy thing. I will pursue Christ. And fix my eyes on him all the days of my life from this point forward. This point forward. Y'all, this is it. And I take a picture of that. Put that on a tweet somewhere. Like, it needs to go out. And it needs to become your mantra. Maybe something you say every single day. For the next six weeks, seven weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And we're going to be mentioning this. I want to end, and Grace is going to come up in just a second. But, I, y'all... Some of us have fallen into that trap. And you know it. You know it. It's time to have an honest conversation with yourself. And even an honest conversation with the Lord. What is the lust of the flesh for you? I just mentioned a couple, but you could probably think of it. You know it. You know your life better than anybody else, right? Well, Other than Jesus. He knows it. But y'all, how many times have we fallen into this trap? And how much do we need him to save us? Because you could try to do it on your own. Oh yeah, you could try. But I can tell you, give it a couple of weeks or a month, trying to do it on your own, it'd be hard. It'll get harder. But until you fully surrender it to Christ, then and only then will you begin to start making progress. Because Jesus said it himself, (laughs) my yoke It's easy. My burden is light. Bring it. I got you. Maybe for you tonight, maybe sin has just dominated your life. And maybe you've gotten to that place where you need to maybe get on your face before the Lord. Maybe you need to start by saying, I'm sorry. It's a great starting place. If you're finding yourself lust of the fleshing right now, Start by saying, I'm sorry. But maybe you're here tonight and you have never prayed to receive Christ. You don't know what that means to have a personal relationship with Christ. You've never said, you know what? Maybe I am a sinful person. Maybe sin has separated me from God. Here's the truth. Here's the good news of that. He loves you. I started the conversation here. He loves you. For the believers in the room, he loves you. For the non-believers in the room, those that have it, he loves you and he desires to be in a relationship with you. And he knows full well the sin that has separated you. And the good news is, is that he came to you. You're not doing anything to climb the ladder of spirituality. You're not having to do anything to earn his, you know, favor or whatever. No, he said, no, right where you are in the sin that you're in, I'm going to come to you. And that is in the form of Jesus Christ. He came and lived on this earth And then a couple of guys didn't like him, and they put him on a cross. But little did they know what they thought was bad news, Jesus saw as good news. Because Jesus went to the cross sinless. And he did that because he loves you, and he desires to be in a relationship with you. He wants to give you the abundant life. He wants to give you hope. And he did that by sending Jesus. He loves you a lot. And maybe tonight you're seeing Jesus for everything that he is in his grace and his love and you're saying, you know what? Come on, I want that. I need that. I need that. And how, how do you take a hold of that love? It's simply by saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin?" I want to be in a relationship with you. I don't want to have anything to do with my sin anymore. I want to be in a relationship with you. And it's a simple prayer of faith. It's a simple prayer believing. And it's in that moment that Jesus comes and he takes up residence within you. The Holy Spirit's the gift that he gives to you. And he comes and he takes up residence right there, right where you are. And he removes that sin. And you become a new creation. And I love it because he wipes away the sin and in that very moment of praying that prayer of faith. The sin literally, virtually is gone in the eyes of God. All he sees is the blood of Christ that was poured out for you. And you can have no shame and no guilt before the Lord because you are completely forgiven in that moment. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed that prayer. You've never said that yes to him. Tonight is the night for you. Maybe you're hearing the message of the gospel and you're going, I need that. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. Grace is going to give you some uh, instructions here in just a minute during this next song. And she's going to kind of tell you where where to go and what to do. She's going to wrap things up. But I want you to think about that. I want you to think about it. And for the believers in the room, I want you to think about the lust of the flesh that you've entertained in your life. And what are you going to do about that? Are you going to surrender that to Christ? probably might be a good idea.